It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Washington football team, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're locked on the Washington football team with the Locked On Washington football team podcast. I'm Dave Harrison, writer for SI.com's Fan Nation. My co-host Chris Russell is off for today's episode. He's one half of the Russell and Metter show on the T980, Monday through Friday from 3 to 7 p.m. Eastern and on the Odyssey app. We thank you for making the Locked On Washington football team podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms and on Twitter at Russellmania621 at DHarrison82 and at Locked WFT Pod. Today's episode brought to you by McDonald's. Proudly serving communities since 1965, McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's an unofficial community center. A big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there. I'm loving it. And I'm loving the fact that Washington football team fans make the Locked on Washington football team podcast your first listen every day on this episode. We're going to hear from Cody Rourke and his co-host Sayer from the Locked on Broncos podcast as we continue to ramp up for this weekend's matchup between the Washington football team and the Denver Broncos. But first, we're going to talk about some injury updates, and we're going to start off with those injury reports. John Kime from ESPN tweeting on Wednesday that wide receivers, wide receivers, De'Ami Brown, Terry McLaurin, and Curtis Samuel all were not participating in practice on Wednesday. De'Ami Brown with a knee injury, Terry McLaurin listed with a hamstring, Curtis Samuel with a groin. Offensive linemen Sam Cosme and Wes Schweitzer also not participating on Wednesday with ankle and neck injuries respectively limited on the practice field on Wednesday. We're running back Antonio Gibson with that ongoing shin issue. Cornerback William Jackson with a knee injury that kept him out of last weekend's game as well. Offensive lineman Brandon Scherf also with a knee injury. Ricky Seals-Jones with a quad injury, the tight end. And wide receiver Cam Sims who missed the game against the Packers with a hamstring injury as well. Of course, we'll continue to keep an eye on all of those injuries leading up to Sunday, but it's important to remember Wednesday, just the initial report, and this isn't even actually the official report. It's a tweet from John Kime, although we're pretty confident that John Kime's reporting is going to be accurate. Uh, either way, it's Wednesday, so not a whole lot to uh, to panic over, not a whole lot to read into here. Remember, Terry McLaurin also didn't participate in practice on Wednesday of last week, again, listed with a hamstring injury. He ended up being a limited participant Thursday, full participant on Friday, and then, of course, went on to play and uh, have a pretty good game outside of a couple of drops against the Green Bay Packers. So, again, unless unless there's something extra that comes out about Terry McLaurin from this throughout the course of the week, probably not a lot to panic, I would say, about uh, in that situation. Curtis Samuel, of course, is a guy that we're going to continue to just kind of keep an eye on and hope that maybe this offense is going to get uh, some contributions from him, you know, further than what they got against uh, the Atlanta Falcons, which you know was kind of a promising step forward, and then reaggravations happen and steps backwards. And you know, uh, honestly, I'm not I'm not really sure why they haven't just kind of shut him down for the season yet. But hey, listen, I'm not a doctor, and I'm not inside the uh, the the building. So if they think that maybe they have the opportunity of bringing him back at some point, they can do so. And again, I'm pretty sure that with the NFL rules, you can't put somebody on IR and return them twice in one season. So if they were to put him on IR, it would be season-ending IR. So that might be. Also a reason why they're uh, going about this the way that they are. 
Something to also keep an eye on. This is the first week that Logan Thomas, the tight end, is eligible to return from injured reserve. Uh, John Kime also reporting that Logan Thomas was out there at practice on a side field working with trainers, stuff like that. Um, so, again, nothing that necessarily points to him being back this weekend, and you could honestly see the Washington football team wanting to just give him another week. That actually gives him two more weeks because you have the bye week following that, and then he can come back potentially for the game against Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Week 10 when they visit the nation's capital for that game. So, again, Logan Thomas, somebody to keep an eye on. Terry McLaurin should be good to go. Antonio Gibson's kind of more of the same, and Ron Rivera said coming out of that Packers game that he came out of that relatively healthy. So that's our injury report for Wednesday. Moving forward in this Thursday episode, it's crossover Thursday. So we've got the hosts of the Locked On Broncos here. Cody and Sayer are going to join me in just a minute. We're going to talk about this matchup from each side of the ball, and we're going to do so thanks to our friends over at McDonald's, a place where classmates can meet up for a study group, knowing they'll have dependable Wi-Fi and an endless supply of French fries and McFlurries. I remember being in school, heading out to McDonald's to work after classes with some of my project mates, and we did. We took advantage of the Wi-Fi. We took advantage of the environment, having the tables, ample space to work on what we needed to work on. And, of course, if you were hungry, if you were thirsty, if you needed a bathroom break, it was all right there for you. This episode of Locked on Watch Football Team is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's a place where friends and family from the community can come together. A big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there. I'm loving it. We're also brought to you by Rock Auto with the never-increasing numbers of makes and models of vehicles. It's impossible for your local chain, auto parts store, or your dealership to keep all the parts you're ever going to want or need. You have a computer or access to a computer. You have access to rockauto.com at home or in your pocket. Why would you spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the same auto, same parts at a chain store or a car dealership than what you can get it for at rockauto.com, a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. They have everything you can need, whether it's brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, or even new carpet. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on there. How did you hear about his box? So they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. It is crossover Thursday all across the Locked On Podcast Network, and we have a big-time game on Sunday. The Denver Broncos hosting the Washington football team, and to help us preview this game, we're joined by our good friend David Harrison, host of the Locked On Washington football team. And David, great as always to see you. I get to see you a couple times. Obviously, he's one of the hosts, too, of the Locked On Bucks podcast. Not to mention he joins us from time to time on the Locked On NFL Sunday live show. David, how you doing, my man? I'm doing good. Always good to talk to you, Cody. Uh, good to talk to you. Uh, Sire, is that how you say your first name? for the for the Sayer, Sayer? I yeah, like for the Sire. first that's time. a good one yeah, that sounds like royal you know like a royal <laughs> there you go Sire and, it's, and I feel bad because actually I've watched episodes of Locked On I'm a subscriber on my personal my own personal YouTube profile I don't have a channel I don't do anything there uh, but I'm a subscriber I watch what you guys do you've been a good addition to the show I mean adding Thank to you. Cody Rourke is, is hard to do and I think you've done a good job Oh, you guys, you guys really work. Sarah really makes really me look great. Sarah, Sarah is this real superstar. He's the real rock star here of the show here, Lockdown Broncos. I love Sarah. Sarah is the goat. I owe a lot of my career to Sarah. Honestly, uh, we'll we'll tell that story another day. But uh, David, look, a a matchup on Sunday between these two teams, and I think each team has a variety of different questions. You look at the Broncos side of things; they've had their struggles dropping four straight games. You look at Washington; the defense hasn't been, I think, what most people had expected coming into the season. Uh, you know, first off, I just want to ask you about the offense here obviously no Ryan Fitzpatrick he's been dealing with that uh, that hip subluxation he's still on crutches we found out last week that's 
five to six weeks on crutches. That's painful. Uh, he's going to get a good upper body workout. But Taylor Heineke has stepped into the mold for him. And I think Taylor Heineke, based on what I've seen, I think he's done a pretty good job. He has his moments. But overall, what have been your thoughts on the first half of the season so far for this Washington football team? Yeah, I mean, the biggest story, really, as much as you want it to be about the quarterback situation, and the quarterback's always going to be super important, it's the defense. It's, it's the subpar performance by the defense, you know, this is a unit that was expected to be by some a top five defense in the NFL, at least a top half of the league uh, type of defense for a consistent stretch of the year. You know, they they ended last year on a really good note, and that was kind of what sparked a little bit uh, of the hype and the excitement. And even within the organization, Ron Rivera uh, touched on how much they expected out of the unit. Jack Del Rio did as well. Not trading up to draft for a guy like Trey Lance, Justin Fields, because you feel like you have a defense right now that can help carry you back into the playoffs and you don't want to reset things while you feel like you have a little bit of a window opening. So there were a lot of expectations around this unit, and I don't think they necessarily succumbed to the pressure, and that's why they struggled coming out the gates. I think they just weren't there yet. And I think what what happened, and a lot of people pointed this out already, is that last year's schedule was a lot easier than this year's schedule. I mean, you look at who they've already, we're not even halfway through the season. They've already had Aaron Rodgers. They've already had Patrick Mahomes. They've already had Justin Herbert, Josh Allen, and they've got Tom Brady coming up and Teddy Bridgewater. You, you already know, Cody, I'm a, I'm a huge Teddy B guy. He's not, he's no slouch on his own. Not as dynamic, granted, as some of the quarterbacks they've already seen, and maybe that's going uh, to play into their, their benefit this weekend. But they've faced a murderer's row of quarterbacks already, and then right out of their bye, they get Super Bowl champion Tom Brady. Most people say, you know, we should have an advantage coming out of our bye. Well, you got the Super Bowl champs coming into your house. After the, after the bye week, so good luck with that. I mean, it's it's so it's to be expected a little bit. I think once people kind of took a step back and realized what they were really up against, I think you kind of expected it a little bit. And Chase Young's lack of ability, I'll say right now, to get consistent production uh, out of the defensive end position there is really, I think, was kind of sparked it because as the defense was expected to be so good, he was expected for, for however fair it might be for a second-year player uh, he was expected to kind of take that next step into like the Joey Bosa uh, type of category of defensive ends, and it just hasn't happened. Well, I'd say on both sides for this matchup, Broncos and Washington alike, some maybe unmet expectations early on or in almost the first half now of the season. It's crazy how quickly it's gone by. The Broncos have almost been sort of a get-right team in recent weeks for for the teams that they're facing. So, unfortunately, I hate to say it like that, but – I'm interested to know from your perspective, what do you what do you see as you scout this Broncos team? What do you see some areas where you feel like Washington might be able to get right this week? Yeah, no, I laugh because Washington has also been a get right team. And so far, they've had several <laughs> matchups like Josh Allen was kind of struggling to open the season when he played Washington. So it was like, OK, is Washington's defense going to get right against a struggling quarterback or is the quarterback going to get right? Well, it turns out it's the quarterback that's going to that's going to get right. New Orleans Saints, Jameis Winston. They had just come off that disappointing loss at home to the Giants. All right. Are the Saints going to continue to flounder a little bit and struggle or are they going to get right? Or is the Washington defense going to get right? Well, it turns out Jameis Winston and the Saints offense is going to get right. So it's just that's how it's been, I think, for both sides. Like you said, there's a lot of similarities between both these squads, unfortunately, uh, because two talented rosters. But when I look at the Denver Broncos, uh, I kind of look at the running game, right? So. You, you look at Dearness Johnson, not the same type of running back that they have in Washington, which is against my own advisement as much as, you know, anybody in the Washington football team organization is going to listen to what I have to say. Uh, they got rid of their only bowling ball running back in Peyton Barber. He was the only guy that really brought any type of thump to him. And Dearness Johnson, I think he took everybody by surprise. I mean, I picked the Broncos. Cody, you know, I picked the Broncos to win that game because I'm like, no Nick Chubb, no yep. Kareem Hunt, uh, no, no Baker Mayfield, even though I'm not the biggest Baker Mayfield fan. I'm like, they're going to have no offense. Well, it turns out Dernis Johnson brought a lot of smoke uh, to that game. So kudos to him for doing it. But, you know, 
the Washington football team doesn't have a guy like that. Like they have a shifty guy, Antonio Gibson, JD McKissick, a little bit more of a straight line runner, but they don't have a guy that can really thump at the, at the, at the point of attack at the mesh pointer or, or, you know, at the line of scrimmage, if he, or even behind the line of scrimmage, if they need to. So my concern is if, can they make a guy miss? I think there's opportunities there. There's a couple lanes. I know the broadcast team even mentioned, like I could have run through that lane. It was Troy Aikman talking about he could have run through the lane that was, that was cleared out. Washington's offensive line has been a surprisingly good point for this, yeah. for this team, even though they've dealt with some injuries as well. Um, they were kind of expected to be one of the weaker spots. They've actually been really good. So if they can create some lanes in that Broncos defense, uh, especially depending on what's going on with Von Miller, then there are some opportunities there, I think, for Antonio Gibson and for J.D. McKissick, especially as Antonio Gibson continues to deal with the shin injury to get some, to get some lanes. And I'll be honest with you guys, if Washington takes a page out of Cleveland's book, Cleveland has some downfield threats, but not a lot of, of speed comparatively to a lot of teams in the NFL. I think Washington's kind of in the same boat. If they can get the Denver secondary to back off as much as they did against Cleveland, Taylor Heineke is going to run for 150 yards uh, in this game. That's going to be big. I think that if I'm Scott Turner, I'm trying to push that Broncos defense out as much as I possibly can and tell my quarterback, look, dude, first read, second read, your third read is running. Make sure you make sure you look at it that way. That's what we saw against the Green Bay Packers, and it led up to a game where they could have possibly competed uh, to pull off that upset. Some other reasons why they didn't do that, but that's kind of the biggest thing that stands out to me. It's almost like playing the Packers really gave Washington a good, I don't want to say warm up, you know, because that sounds like I'm diminishing the Denver Broncos, but that's not really. It's just it's a very similar type of game plan. I think that's going to be effective against the Broncos if they decide to use. It. Now, we'll have to take a look at how that's going to go because there's obviously a lot of things the Broncos have to fix on the rushing defense here. Last question I'm going to ask you on the Washington football team side of things here, David. Uh, you know, looking at wide receiver, you know, banged up, Curtis Samuel, key offseason acquisition. The groin injury has simply just limited him. He's not been able to go. He tried to come back. He re-aggravated it. Diami Brown also, I think, was dealing with the knee injury. You have Terry McLaurin. And then, to my understanding still, is Logan Thomas still on injured reserve at this point as we're talking? And if not, I mean, do they expect to elevate him soon? Yeah, as, as as we're talking right now, Logan Thomas has not been activated. He's missed enough games that I believe he can be activated. Um, but yeah, I mean, we don't have the official quote unquote, uh, but John Kime um, of ESPN does, does a really great job of covering the Washington football team. He, he actually already broke it down. Deami Brown uh, didn't practice. Terry McLaurin also didn't practice. Curtis Samuel, uh, like you said, he's just, it's, I mean, it's injury, so you don't want to blame the guy, but it's, it's, he's been a, disapp a huge disappointment. Uh, and then those offensive linemen also, Sam Cosby, Wes Schweitzer, also uh, not practicing. Brandon Scherf did practice. Um, so that's that's a little bit encouraging that they might be able to get their all-pro guard back uh, for this game. But Cam Sims, the other wide receiver, uh, was limited in practice. He had a hamstring. He missed last weekend. It's a hamstring, so you guys know how those go. Uh, but, yeah, a lot of injuries at the wide receiver position. Well, you know, it's obviously tough to overcome injuries. The Broncos know it. The Washington football team knows it. The whole NFL right now, for some reason, soft tissue injuries are the issue all across the league. But ladies and gentlemen, coming up here in just a moment, we're going to get into a further discussion. Dave is going to ask Sarah and myself questions related to the Denver Broncos and Sunday's matchup. Before we do that, let me tell you about the sponsor. Today's episode of the show, it's our good friends over there, BetOnline.ag. Week 8 of NFL action is here, and BetOnline is your number one source for all things pro basketball, pro football, college football, NHL, MLB, they got everything for you at betonline.ag with a new updated site and user interface that makes it easier for you, the consumer, to find the latest odds, 
props, and all the brand new contests today. And if you can go to the website right now on your computer or your mobile device, make sure you sign up and use promo code LOCKDOWN to get yourself a 50% welcome deposit bonus today. Once again, promo code LOCKDOWN will get you a 50% welcome deposit bonus here today. From your favorite Vegas casino games to the NFL games, all the action as we mentioned, and even UFC and MMA action, BetOnline is your go-to for everything that you need. BetOnline, where the game begins. Hi, I'm Jake from Locked On. Think of all the amazing things in life that are expressions of you, your favorite football team, what you wear to the playoff watch party, that song that you stream over and over to get you pumped up for the gym, or the recommendations that you share with your friends on the top six comedy podcasts that are best to listen to on a long road trip, or even your new haircut, which may or may not be an epic bowl cut from the 90s and hopefully is. Everything that makes you, you makes all the difference. State Farm believes insurance should work the same way. Your plan, your coverage selections can be personalized by you. And the ability to choose the plan you want by picking the options that fit you, like choosing to bundle your home and auto policies, is what the State Farm personal price plan is all about. Getting the coverage you want at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. All right, guys, continuing this crossover Thursday episode, Washington football team getting set to visit the Mile High City and the Denver Broncos. My my home state, Cody, you know, I, I'm I'm always I'm always going to consider myself a Colorado win for it. I mean, I'm probably never going to live there again, to be quite honest with you, but I, Colorado is always going to hold a special place in my heart. So this was a game I was actually hoping to make the trip uh, to be able to cover, but for other extenuating circumstances, that's not going to come to fruition this year. But any chance I get to go to Denver is going to be one that I take. And honestly, this is probably, this is, this is Washington football team fans only chance in the next three weeks, as far as we see it for them to have a little bit of, of hoping and grab onto a thread of, of happiness as they take on the Denver Broncos by week coming up. So I guess you can be happy. They're not going to lose, right? Cause you can't lose in the bye week. Uh, it's like getting fired on your day off, but then the Super Bowl champions, like I mentioned already, coming in the week after that. When I look at this matchup, I think at the beginning of the season, I wouldn't have expected to say that I think this is a game that the Washington football team could act- actually win. Um, I don't know what the betonline.ag lines are right now. I'm sure we'll continue to track those as we get later into the season, but I'm confident this is a team that can compete and and hang in this game. They, they were able to hang in for the most part against the Green Bay Packers. Here's how I think... They're going to be able to to do that, guys. And I look at Teddy Bridgewater in the offense. This is the question I have for you. I know what the broadcast team said, but we know the national pundits don't always have the best view of the team that you guys do. And you guys do a great job along with some other Denver media. Uh, they do a great job. Some not so much, Cody. I saw you tweeting about that a little bit uh, over over recent days, and I agree with you completely. Are they not trusting Teddy Bridgewater to push the ball down the field? Or is there another reason? Is it just defense is taking away the deep ball on why they continue to go Short. I mean, the Denver Broncos have one of the lowest third down conversion ratings in the National Football League. And when I saw that number, I went back to kind of looking like, why is it? And it just honestly looks like it doesn't matter if it's third and four, they throw it two yards. If it's third and nine, they throw it six yards instead of throwing six yards on third and four. You know, so it's it just kind of seems weird to me. And it looks to me like a unit that doesn't trust their quarterback. 
I think it's a combination of a lot of things. We had Tim Jenkins on, and Tim does a great job doing film breakdowns on the quarterback position and taking a look at it, too. And he said one of the biggest things he believes is that the Broncos script coming into games, the first 10 plays, it sucks. And, and it's the same thing. So teams are really kind of catching on to what the Broncos' tendencies are. And so for Teddy Bridgewater, I don't necessarily think it's the his inability to push the ball downfield because he's taken several shots downfield this season, and he's done it with ease. But several of the shots downfield he's taken, he's overthrown guys as well. And sometimes he's underthrown. So he's not a consistent deep ball guy. And, and to your point, too, third and six, you're going to throw up four yards. What's happening is that you're seeing, and this is what Tim Jenkins told us in yesterday's episode, Lockdown Broncos. He says the guys that are going deep are open, but now he's resorting to throwing short. And he says, I'm not sure if that's a scheme thing or if it's the play call, but Teddy Bridgewater has also had a tendency to hold on to the football way too long. And Tim had said it best. He's holding on to the football while looking to go deep, and then he's throwing it short. So I think there's an issue in terms of maybe pulling the trigger a little bit, and that has been a little bit of a hindrance in the Broncos' offense. And to be honest with you, David, I don't believe that can be sustainable, not to mention against those Washington football team that even though that Chase Young only has, I believe, one and a half sacks on the season, you can't discount that, especially in a game like this, because this is the opportunity for he, Montez Sweat, and the defensive interior to really create pressure. And Teddy Bridgewater's had a tendency to step up into the pocket, into his own lineman, and I think it's a footwork, it's a technique thing, as Tim has alluded to. So it depends on what Broncos offense, which Teddy Bridgewater you're going to get this week. Yeah, and, and speaking of that Washington defense, they've done better the last three games. They've got six takeaways uh, total over the last three games, including three against Kansas City Chiefs uh, alone. Now, the offense hasn't been able to uh, put enough on the board. And you talk about Teddy Bridgewater being a little inaccurate when he throws downfield. Taylor Heineke is, has been criminally notorious here in the DMV for overthrowing receivers and for throwing too high on receivers. Guys like Terry McLaurin stretching out further than they probably ever have before in their entire lives, putting their entire midsection and everything else at risk to make these catches for their quarterback. What kind of a defensive approach do you think we're going to see from the Denver Broncos coming up against a quarterback in Taylor Heineke, who, again, he's he's inaccurate, he throws high, so you know maybe those safeties kind of stay back a little bit, looking for some of those tip-pass pop uh, opportunities. At the same time, though, Taylor Heineke is also more mobile than a lot of other quarterbacks in the NFL, and depending on which version you see, right, kind of a Jekyll and Hyde approach in this Washington offense, you go back to Kansas City, zero carries against Kansas City Chiefs for Taylor Heineke, scrambles or otherwise. But then you go uh, to last week, 95 rushing yards, the second most in franchise history for a Washington quarterback. So I believe you're going to get more of that Taylor Heineke than you are the Kansas City Chiefs zero carries Taylor Heineke. But what do you think Denver, what do you think Vic Fangio is expecting in this offense? Yeah, obviously Taylor Heineke, not a rookie quarterback, but I think Vic Fangio might approach it similar to what he does when he's facing off against rookie quarterbacks, use a lot of four and five man pressures. The Broncos do have the, you know, they do have a young couple of inside linebackers right now, actually just traded for Kenny Young from the Los Angeles Rams, who is expected to start this week, according to one of the, one of the guys who covers the Broncos for nine news Denver. So he's expected to play a significant role. So what I talked about on previous episodes, as these linebackers are dropping like flies in Denver is to simplify things for those guys by having them blitz a little bit more often just give him a gap and tell him to go. So I think that we're going to see a bit a bit of aggressiveness from Fangio, but at the same time, he really likes to make quarterbacks think back there in the pocket. So with a guy like Heineke who's capable of, of running, you want to make him win from the pocket, and you want to make him throw against your coverage. And, of course, teams have had plenty of success throwing deep on the Broncos this year, if not all throughout the game, at least a few times per game. And game-changing plays – deep downfield, which is where I think, like you mentioned, if he's overthrowing passes, 
this could be an opportunity where the Broncos, you know, like a, like a team like the New York Jets that they played earlier this season against Zach Wilson, you know, he, he kind of struggled with a little bit of his deep ball accuracy and the hands of his receivers. But those were opportunities the Broncos took advantage of with a couple of interceptions. And, and it's been a couple of weeks since we've seen the Broncos really take take advantage of a quarterback in that way by creating turnovers. So I think we could see a little bit of that, a little bit less, you know, a little bit less, you know, six man pressure or seven or whatever that is and having Vic Fan and his scheme really forced Taylor Heineke to throw it into max coverage. Yeah, unless you talk about those linebackers too. I mean, Antonio Gibson, unfortunately, has put the ball on the ground way more than, than you want out of a starting running back, especially one with the uh, ceiling that we, we think that Antonio Gibson has. You know, see if he continues to climb that ladder as well. And guys, when I look at this matchup, I look at two defensive-focused teams, right? Vic Fangio, Ron Rivera, considered two of the better defensive minds in the NFL, but neither defense is really living up uh, to that height, to that experience. On the Washington side of things, it seems to be a little bit in the schemes. People are kind of questioning some of the play calling, maybe a little too much zone versus man coverage. What's going on on the Denver side? Is there just like a trend of defensive coaches that maybe, I mean, you look at Todd Bowles, right? Goes to New York Jets, really struggles as a head coach there. Some of that's probably organizational as well, not just on Todd Bowles. Then he goes to Tampa and now he's, you know, the, the best defense coordinator in the NFL. A lot of people would say a prime candidate to be a head coach this next off season. Do you think it's just defensive coaches need to say coordinators, or do you think there's something more to this and what's going on on the Denver side of things? I say it's a little bit of both, right? You want to factor in player execution. Obviously, if they get a call, you have to run the coverage, you have to execute. But also, it's on the coaching side of things, too, because the defensive backfield has been put into situations that I don't think are very opportune for them to make plays. And when they've been giving up these big plays, a lot of it is the pass rush. The pressure hasn't gone home against the Baltimore Ravens. You know what they ran? They ran cover zero, and they – couldn't keep, con I mean, they were told to keep containing the edge rushers, but not to pressure Lamar Jackson from the outside, because if you cut down too far inside, he's going to run to the outside. You're not going to have any help. So a lot of time for Lamar Jackson, for guys like Ben Roethlisberger, who was having a really bad season coming into that matchup, just a lot of time for those guys to throw. And Derek Carr, as we know, can pick apart defenses left and right. Don't matter if you're playing man coverage or zone coverage, he knows where to go there. And so the pass rush for the Broncos simply has not been getting home. No pressure on the defensive interior has forced guys to scramble outside and then the pass rushers haven't stepped up von miller is dealing with a lot of attention or has dealt with it and then the other guy opposite of him malik reed who we're very high on we love malik reed he just simply hasn't been getting home and i think that's been a a pain point here for the broncos in the secondary and unfortunately it's led to a lot of these big plays and i know this is going to be a big weekend because it's ronald darby's uh game against his former team that's very true final question for me guys I'm a big Javante Williams fan. I was so huge on Javante. We <laughs> wanted Washington to draft Javante Williams. Hell, I wanted Tampa to, to draft Javante. I just wanted somebody that I covered to draft Javante Williams. Instead, he goes to Denver, which very happy for all my my, my people back in Colorado who are, who are still Broncos fans. Always keeping an eye on those guys pulling for you there. Are we going to see more Javante Williams? Because I liked what I saw Thursday night. I heard the broadcast mention fans have been wanting to see more Javante Williams, and we know how this works. If the fans have been wanting to see him too, you can bet the media have been wanting to see him too. So you guys, I'm sure we're, a little, we're very happy about what you saw from Javante, uh, unless I'm just looking at the Rose College classes, just wanting Javante to be next coming of the great running back in the NFL. Do you think we're going to see more of that, or, or how do you think that, that's going to play out this weekend with him and uh, Melvin Gordon? Well, obviously he got the got the touchdown against Cleveland last week on the screen pass, which was like even in a loss, just looking up to the sky at the football gods and just thanking, you know, my my gosh, it's been all season. We've been waiting to see screen plays to the running backs, especially Javante, who we know, man, he can run over anybody in the open field. Just ask Marlon Humphrey, who was dragged for 20 yards. But yeah, hopefully it's more Javante this week, man. Definitely. I mean, he had four carries against the Cleveland Browns, which is an absolute atrocity, 
a criminal offense by Pat Shermer to only give Javante Williams four carries in a game. And between he and Melvin Gordon combined, they only had 12 carries total in that game. So a lack of commitment to the running game by the Denver Broncos has been a consistent talking point for us. And I know for Cody and I throughout the season, but specifically when a guy like Javante is only getting four carries, he's got nowhere to go but up, right? So I, I really hope that's the case this week against Washington. But of course, that defensive front, it, it's its frightening. You know, I mean, regardless of how well they've played, we talk about get-right games. You know, Chase Young, you never know when he's going to go all Max Crosby from two weeks ago and have three and a half, four and a half sacks in a game. The Broncos have been known to surrender such games. So if guys are getting penetration like that throughout this game, it's going to be tough for Javante. But, man, the Broncos really do need to kind of force feed him. Look at Derrick Henry last week. I think he had, like, what, 26 carries for 80-some yards or something, something like that. They just kind of force feed their best player. Right now, it's tough to say Javante's not been one of the Broncos' biggest sources of big plays offensively. So definitely hope to see more of him this week. And hopefully he can get to the second level a few times. And we'll see what he can do when he gets in the open field. He's always a candidate for those angry runs. So definitely need to see more Javante. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. Crossover Thursday across the Locked On Podcast Network. Locked On Broncos joined alongside by Locked On Washington football team. A fun game slated for Sunday. Peyton Manning being honored at halftime for the Ring of Fame. But, you know, it goes the Halloween theme. You have Chase Young. I can already see the Fox broadcast. I can already see the mask, the Jason mask the Freddy mask, wherever you want to have between he and Jerry, Judy, and David, as Sarah likes to say, one, two, Jerry's coming for you. All right, guys, that's going to do it for this crossover Thursday episode of the Locked on Washington football team podcast. Special shout out to Cody and Sarah over there at the Locked on Broncos podcast. Thank you again for making the Locked on Podcast Network your first listen every day. Now for your second listen, head over to our friends Peacock and Williamson at the Peacock and Williamson NFL show. Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson give you the expert NFL analysis in less than 30 minutes. It's also free and it's also available on all platforms. Chris and I will be back tomorrow to give you our final thoughts on this upcoming matchup between the Washington football team and the Denver Broncos. We got some late voicemails, guys, last week after our final show had published. Listen, guys, we record our Friday episode, the Friday the episode that drops on Friday, our final look at the upcoming game on Thursday evening. So if you don't get us a voicemail in, if you want to be a part of the show, you want to let us know your thoughts. You, If you don't get it in before Thursday at 6 p.m., then I can pretty much guarantee you it's unfortunately not going to make the cut for the final episode. And then obviously as we move on to the next game, we move on to the next game. So if you've got a topic you want to discuss, if you've got to take a prediction or a question, send it over to 301-615-3577. Drop it in the voicemail line before Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern time, or shoot us an email at lockwftpod at gmail.com. Or if, if you want to, hit us up on Twitter at dharrison82, at russellmania621, at lockedwftpod. Until we meet again, if you're out and about, please be safe, be kind to one another, and thank you for joining us on this crossover Thursday of the Locked On Washington Football Team Podcast. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 
your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.